without knowing that Jesus died for them. So open your word, we pray, and open our hearts to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. I can uh, tell you, it was a real shock to me. There was a competition in the Cotswold Life magazine. Because we're retiring to the Cotswolds, we now get the Cotswold Life magazine. And there was a competition, and the prize was that you got to ride on the footplate of the steam railway train that goes up from Cheltenham Racecourse up to Winchcombe. It's a great ride. But when I looked at the small print, I was really upset. Because I read that you could only enter if you were aged between 16 and 70. Now, I expect most of you are sitting here thinking, well, what's he bothered about? He must have at least 10 or 15 years to go before he's any near that, and it becomes an issue. He can't be much over 55. Well, I can understand you thinking that as you look at me. But I have to admit that although I'm most certainly not over 70 now, I will be in three years' time. And that's not long, therefore, before I will be excluded from some things because people think I'm too old. Too old and too much of a risk to have on the footplate of a steam train. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, those of you who were here last week who battled in through the marathon will remember that last Sunday we started looking at what are called the four alls of Methodism. And we looked at all people need to be saved. Well, this Sunday we're moving on to the second idea that all people can be saved. Now, sadly, there are situations where what might be needed does not match up with the possibility. The homeless person needs housing, but there is none. The unemployed person needs a job, but lack of qualifications means that the range of jobs available is very limited. The sick person needs a certain treatment. But in some countries, that treatment is simply not available. The single person needs a partner. But if the right person doesn't come along, they will be disappointed. You see, the problem is that it's not always possible for us to receive or have what we might need. But what we're talking about here is possible. I argued last Sunday that every person on the face of the earth needs to be saved. But when I argued that, I wasn't consigning you all to a waiting list or to an impossible dream, no. When I said that indeed all people do need to be saved, I knew that it was possible. I knew that already. For the good news of the gospel declares that not only is there a need for us to be saved, but there's also an answer. An answer in a person. Our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who opens up the way of salvation to anyone who will turn to him. So I'm telling you this morning that no one is excluded. You don't need to read the small print to find out if there is a catch, because there is no small print and there is no catch. God's love is for all. Jesus died for all. The Holy Spirit is at work in every human heart. I've been hammering that point away from this pulpit, hammering away at that point for nearly 14 years. It's absolutely essential to our thinking as Methodists. It's absolutely essential in giving the gospel credibility. It's absolutely essential in a world which puts up barriers of race, of class, of social standing, of wealth, of intellectual ability. It's absolutely essential that as Christian people we can put our hands on our hearts and say with truth, all are welcome here and none are excluded. And the reason for that is that we worship an all-inclusive God. We serve an all-inclusive Saviour who spread his arms wide enough on the cross to embrace every one of us. We are open to an all-inclusive Holy Spirit who is already at work in the hearts of every human being and who comes in fullness to us when we ask. My sisters and brothers, you've heard this time and again. The gospel, this gospel of ours is for all. And if it's for all, it's for you. Here this morning, in this time, in this place. And that's what St. Paul says here in our reading this morning. 1 Timothy and verse chapter 2 and verses 3 to 6. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and human beings, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. God wants all people to be saved. And that is a possibility because Jesus gave his life as a ransom for all. And of course, even more important than what Paul says is what Jesus says. Listen to the final words to his friends. Go and make disciples of all nations. And as always with Jesus, what he says is backed up by what he does by his life and ministry. And Jesus made time and space for those who were excluded because of their work, such as the tax-gathering collaborator Zacchaeus, or because of their past history, like the woman at the well who'd had seven husbands, or the woman who came and broke the oil over his feet, who had a doubtful reputation, or because of their sickness, such as the demon-possessed man in the tombs, or the twelve lepers who came to him. None were turned away. All were welcomed. All were loved. All were included. This is the big picture. 
As the hymn writer says, there's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. No limits, no conditions other than love reaching out and seeking love in return. What a wonderful gospel we share that all can indeed be saved. Now I hope you can stay with me here when I explain to you that because of this emphasis upon God's love for all and on Jesus dying for all, you and I as Methodists are what theologians call Arminians. Now be careful here, we're not Armenian, we're Arminians. An Armenian comes from Armenia, all right? I'm not saying you all come from Armenia, because I know you don't. Have you got anybody here from Armenia? No? Well, we normally have people from all over the place. No, you are Arminians, spelt with an I, okay? And that's because John Wesley was influenced by a 17th century Dutch theologian called Jacobus Arminian. And thus his followers are called Arminians. So you can go home and you can say to your friends at lunchtime, you know, I never knew it, but today I have discovered I'm an Arminian. Isn't that wonderful? And they'll be so impressed. They won't know what you're talking about because they haven't heard the sermon, but they'll be very impressed. And the great debate of the time of Wesley, and to a lesser extent still, is between those who called themselves Arminians, as I've said, because they followed this man called Jacobus Arminian, and those who called themselves Calvinists, because they followed a man called John Calvin. And the Calvinists argued that because God was sovereign, nothing can come from this side of humanity. The sin which we're born in so corrupts us that it's impossible for us to make a choice on our own. Therefore, if someone turns to Jesus, it's not because they're doing that in free will, it's because God has preordained, decided, caused it to happen. God's chosen that they should do it. God's chosen them. And if a person in the same way turns away Jesus from, to Jesus or doesn't turn to Jesus, the same argument applies. God has not chosen them to do it. And this is what's called predestination. Well, John Wesley stood against this view, as did his brother Charles. And he argued that if the call of Jesus was to preach the gospel of the kingdom to all people, then surely all people should have the possibility of responding. So Wesley agreed with the Calvinists that the work of salvation was totally God's initiative, God's love reaching out to us from the beginning of time. But he did not agree with the Calvinists that in reaction to that love, only the chosen could respond. Rather, he argued that if the offer was for all, the response was for all to make, should they choose to do so. 
as his brother Charles put it in the hymn that we've just sung, for all, for all, sorry, for all my Lord was crucified, for all, for all my Saviour died. Now, as I said last week, this is not the same as what we call universalism, a heresy which says all will eventually be saved. What this is, is that the offer is for all, but we have to make the choice to respond to that offer. It's as if I wrote a cheque, and I gave it to my friend Tony Miles here, and it says on it, pay Tony Miles £1,000, because I think he's such a lovely guy, he deserves it. But if he just keeps that cheque in his wallet, it's absolutely worthless. If he just gets it out and looks at it and says, isn't Martin Turner a lovely friend? Look, he's written me this cheque for £1,000 and he puts it back in his pocket. And then when I die, he comes to the funeral and he says, look at this cheque. He gave me that 28 years ago and I, and I put it in my pocket. It's all, he's got to go to the bank and he's got to go and pay it in. And it's because I think he might do that that I'm not giving him the cheque. <laughs> well, you've got a cheque. You've got a cheque. Each of you has got a cheque. And it's got your name written on it. And it says, pay Sue, Fred, Michael, whoever. Pay them salvation. It's there for you. You have a salvation check. Your name is on it. The name is your name. But you need to bank it. And you bank it in a very simple way. You bank it by accepting the love of God for you. By recognizing that Jesus died for you. By opening your heart and life to the Holy Spirit. To help you in your Christian walk day by day by day. My sisters and brothers, all can be saved. And that means you, anyone, you, me, anyone, all. What great news. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, just come, we pray. And speak to each 